Hey guys, what's up? This is Raviv, or Hope Vista, or I don't know what I should be introducing myself as on this podcast because as of right now, it's still called Hurricane Hope. And I haven't really decided yet if that's going to change because I haven't really, uh, I haven't really been consistent with this for a while. So uh, yeah, Raviv, Hope, whatever you know me as, it's totally, totally cool to call me either. But it's been a long time again and I feel like I say that every single podcast episode that I do because I I don't know I just like I was super consistent with this last year and then I totally fell off and I think it's because of depression honestly um but I want to keep talking about Revive and I want to keep talking about the music I'm making and you know just just all of that and how that's transpired over the last year so for today's episode I really wanted to Uh, talk about a question that I knew I was going to get, or at least potentially knew that I was going to get when I announced, uh, it was like a month and a half ago at this point, that I was going to be releasing new music under the name Revive. And the question um, is, why didn't you do pop music before? Or if you love pop music so much, why are you just now, um, you know, writing and releasing pop music? And when I think about that, there's so many layers to it that I figured it would be a good conversation to have because there's a lot of history there in the music industry, uh, you know, from, uh, I would say like 2013 until now. So, you know, like eight years, um, and I released music before that, but nothing that was good or <laughs> like well recorded or anything. But, you know, there's a lot of history that I've had in the, in the industry doing rock music and I've never released, you know, pop music before. So, um, it's, it's a, I thought it was a good conversation point. So I guess the best way to start out with that would be um, to probably go back to like 2013. Um, well, actually, I'll go back before that a little bit. Always loved pop music. Pop music is something that um, I felt like has always had a stigma, especially when I was in high school. To say that you liked pop music, you know, if you even dressed a little bit differently, outside of like the Hollister, Abercrombie, Preppy, you know, whatever like the trend was at that time for me when I was in high school, it was 2007 to 2011. So it was, you know, pretty prime in the, in the Preppy kind of, uh, kind of phase. Um, you know, if I said I liked pop music, but I was wearing, you know, edgier clothes, which is, you know, I always had like an edgier style, then I was called a poser or I was called fake or, you know, any of any of those, any iteration of, of those words. So when I was younger, I always had, you know, a darker kind of style, uh, not gothic, but like, you know, very like rock oriented. I wore a lot of band tees because I, I loved classic rock too. Um, you know, Converse, I started wearing Converse when I was in sixth grade is when I bought my first pair of black high tops. Well, my aunt bought them for me, but, but I had a pair, um, you know, I liked like, you know, the skater style. So saying that I liked anything other than music that is kind of considered to be in that style, which would be like pop punk music, rock music, alternative, you know, I don't think music has to be associated with clothes, but a lot of people, especially kids, do think that way. So if I said I liked anything other than rock music, I just got called fake and I I hated that so much because I was always thinking to myself, well, why can't I like pop music just because I dress a certain way? You know, I liked all different types of music. Obviously loved pop punk, loved classic rock. Um, you know, I got into classic rock when I was uh, probably, uh, my mom started playing those records in the car when I was really young and I would say like 10 years old, but I grew up in the 90s bubblegum pop era. So that was kind of woven into my, 
into my blood at a really young age. But I had to hide that I loved pop music at school solely because of the way that I dressed. So my love for pop music goes way, 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 way back to when I was a really, really young kid and the first time I heard music. First artist I ever heard was the Backstreet Boys, and that's where my, my Backstreet Boys love is, is rooted, is they're the first artist I ever heard. I don't remember what song it was. It was either uh, it was either Backstreet's Back or Quit Playing Games or As Long As You Love Me. I just don't know which one it was because they're honestly all pretty similar, and it was a long time ago. Um, and the first CD I bought, which I'm actually looking at right now because I still own it, is Baby One More Time. So that was what was you know, coming to prominence when I was super, super young was growing up in that bubblegum pop phase. Backstreet, Britney, NSYNC, Christina, the four main ones, but then you had Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, 98 Degrees, then you had the Europop with like Aqua, you had girl groups like Dream, you know, there were all these different, um, different kind of uh, facets to bubblegum pop, and that was also the TRL era, so that was what was playing nonstop. Everywhere you would go, you would kind of be dominated by pop music the 90s were also you know very grunge based as well but I would say that was more mid 90s um and late 90s is really when that bubblegum pop started to kind of drive to the forefront with the the formation of both Backstreet and NSYNC um and then the rise of Britney Spears too but I became really enamored by pop music and I think it was because it made me simply just feel good my whole childhood was based around energy and just uh, jumping around dancing. I always loved to perform and pop music was super easy to do those things with. Um, You know, I loved to dance. Obviously, I'm still very heavily involved in the dance world now because I teach dance. I'm a choreographer and I judge competitions still. But, um, you know, pop music was just always there. And if, if you would turn on the TV, there would always be a headline about something to do with an artist in that pop realm. And like I said, especially in the TRL era, which for those of uh, you listening who are closer to my age and you remember the TRL era, it totally dominated TV. Just like pop music dominated the radios, that dominated the music industry on TV because videos were super prominent back then. So it was always around and my mom introduced me to like Aerosmith, Heart, artists like that. And then my aunt introduced me to Joan Jett, um, you know, the doors, Led Zeppelin, like artists like that. But I grew up in pop. And there's one name that I think of when I think of pop music that I became like, very weirdly obsessed with as a kid. Um, And that's Max Martin, who is, without a doubt, like the most prolific producer and songwriter of like the modern, the modern age, 100%. I don't think there's anyone who is like more well known than him as a songwriter except for and no I would I wouldn't say anybody is bigger than Max Martin when it comes to pop music especially in songwriting and production he's done literally everybody has so many Billboard Hot 100 hits and he really crafted the sound of the Backstreet Boys back then as well as NSYNC Britney worked with Christina continues to work with all the big pop artists but I noticed when I would read the booklets of all the CDs that I got I would notice that his name was always there and I became totally just totally obsessed with trying to figure out what it was that he did to constantly produce so many hits there was a formula that he used and I would listen to all of these records and like try to pay attention to the formula try to write songs of my own that match that formula and then I noticed that I learned I was probably like six or seven when I realized that he worked with a team there's so many pop writers in Sweden that he was working with because he's a Swedish producer 
and he had a studio called the Charon Studios, which is closed now. He works primarily out of the U.S. now, um, but he had a whole team of writers, Rami, Andreas Carlson, Christian London. Um, nowadays, you know, he works with Johann Schelbach. Um, Dr. Luke was, unfortunately, a prodigy of, of Max Martin. Um, you know, there were just, there was a team of Swedish writers that, that he had working with him that were responsible for all of these hits, and Max Martin was the backbone of all of them. So I was, here I am in elementary school, you know, noticing that there's a formula to this type of songwriting and noticing, you know, that there's, there's really one core man behind all of it. I became so obsessed with, like, figuring that out and learning about songwriting and how does the pop factory work? How does this, you know, how does this whole machine run? And it was kind of weird, to be really honest with you, as an elementary school kid, even middle school, like, studying pop music because... I didn't really know anybody else who did that, and I, I kind of really studied it feverishly, like a just weird kid. I don't know. It was just very strange. I would sit on my floor, read all the liner notes, study the music, time out how long the verses were, time out how long the courses were. I would write. I had a book of, like, how to write songs that my dad got for me to kind of study, and I would listen to, you know, Black and Blue, the Backstreet Boys record, and I would listen to... There was a song in particular called Not For Me, which... This is going to sound creepy, but it's the 10th track on Black and Blue. And I remember trying to write a song like it to follow the structure. And it ended up sounding exactly the same as that song. But it was just to practice, you know, writing out structures, timing it out, making sure the verses weren't too long, making sure that, you know, things were in a certain order structure-wise, verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just became, you know, I, I wanted to be a pop songwriter. But... I had a very rebellious, uh, like, angry side because there was a lot going on at home, personally, that, you know, just made me feel really angry. So that was where the edgier rock kind of thing came into it because I figured that one of the better ways to express myself as opposed to, like, spray painting my walls or yelling at my mom or, you know, doing these, you know, nasty kind of angry rebellious things it was probably safer and healthier for me to express myself through songwriting. So that's really why I got super involved in that when I was young. But I started to write songs that were more like pop rock because they had that, you know, angsty, um, that angsty like preteen kind of edge to them where I was really letting out all of my, my feelings. And as a kid, you know, it definitely got my mom concerned at a certain point, some of the things that I was writing, and I, I understand why now. Maybe I'll talk about that one day. <laughs> um, but it wasn't pop music that I was writing. It was more like gothic, like very hard rock, like evanescency kind of stuff. And as a young kid, it was very weird, but they were kind of also, you know, songs that were products of me studying pop music for so long and like working with those types of structures, pop structures, with dark lyrics, pop structures, with, you know, um, with dark melodies. So fast forward, and that leads me to 2013, when I put out an EP that will never see the light of day, again, called The EP, very brilliant, um, but it was terrible, and I had all these rock ideas in my head that I, I wasn't able to bring to fruition with the production that I had at that time. So that led me to to make a record called Prevail, which is the record that, you know, I'm not going to say brought me to, like, prominence because that sounds so stupid and cocky, but it's the record that, like, you know, led to Vista and, um, 
you know, led to me playing, you know, a ton of shows like outside of New Jersey, in New Jersey, doing a lot of different things than what I was doing before. So that record was a pop punk record. And I wouldn't say the whole thing was pop punk. It was very pop punk motivated, um, energy wise and production wise and instrumentation wise, especially. But, um, you know, the, the melodies were like very, very power pop and pop rock so it had those influences of like you know kelly clarkson breakaway ashley simpson autobiography but also the energy of you know all time low uh set it off cartel you know all those kinds of bands and you know funny enough the production team that i worked with zk um who i'm still very good friends with to this day they recorded like records for all those artists that i just mentioned so you know those influences were prominent but I just thought that when I made Prevail, you know, thinking about, well, why didn't you do pop music then? Well, because then, you know, I was, I was 21 years old and I was dealing with something that I never thought I would have to deal with. My father had just passed like a few months prior and I wanted to create a record that was infectious. I wanted to create a record that was bouncy and fun and could be played with a live band. And I was in this really weird, um like in between I just finished college and adult phase where I was stuck and I was in a weird middle spot not really knowing what to do and I just wanted to like I was in denial but I really just wanted to have fun and I felt like the best way to do that was to create just a super edgy pop punk record and that's who I was at that time and that's the thing that I think is super important to drive home is that that's who I was at 21 still loved pop music listened to pop music all the time but as an artist in that particular moment when I went to Atlanta to make Prevail, especially like when I did the single Wild Girl. I did Wild Girl and Dominance together and then I went back a couple months later and finished the rest of the record. I was just in this mindset of, okay, well I just fell in love and I just graduated from college and something really terrible just happened but I don't even want to think about it yet and I just want to make a record that people can jump up and down to like at Warp Tour or something. So that kind of mindset was what cre- what made that album. And it's funny because when I listen, I still listen to it pretty regularly, honestly. I was just listening to it recently. And I said, you know what? This like perfectly encapsulates who I was at that point in time. You know, it didn't need to be a really straightforward bubblegum pop record. It didn't need to be anything different than what it ended up being because that perfectly encapsulates who I was at that time. So it's all about progression and where where I'm at in life um, because those pop influencers are still there for sure in that record especially in like dominance especially in 258 um, I prevail like you know I think really every song had its pop influences and in the like interviews that I did for the record I talk about you know the pop influences I got asked a lot about that actually because most of the reviews said you know, it's a pop record with like grunge and it combines, you know, like the 90s grunge and 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 modern day pop punk and all of these things. And everyone who listened to it that was reviewing it, they were all really able to see what I was trying to accomplish there. And that made me really happy because it was a weird mix that I was trying to bring to fruition. And I didn't know if it was going to be cohesive enough, you know, because every song had its own vibe. 258 is definitely the most pop punk song then back against the wall is grungy dominance is more like dark rock um, dark pop and you know there's all different vibes on that album but it totally tied into hope vista at 21 
So that's why not pop then. And then if we go to Vista, you know, what inspired Vista was the song I Prevail that I did on that record. And I said, I really want to expand on this more, this kind of sound. And that led to Vista. To be really honest, I felt like I had to be in a band to succeed. And that's why Vista was started. And I don't know if I've really ever talked about this before, but I really never wanted to be in a band. At that time, I liked being a solo artist. Um, but I was talking to a lot of people back then and getting opinions on on the Prevail record. And I kept asking people, like, have you ever seen a solo artist, like a female, do something like this and, and succeed and like make a living off of it? And every single person said no. And I needed that honesty. I wanted, I'm going to adjust my seat. But I needed that honesty. I wanted that honesty. And it was a loaded question, but I got the answer that I knew I was going to get. Everyone said no. And I said, well, what do I have to do to make a living out of what it is that I love the most, which is music? And everyone said, front a band and call it Vista. Take your name, drop the first name and just call it Vista. And I was so against it for a long time. I was like, but I'm just about to drop this record called Prevail. That's awesome. And I really believe in it but I don't know where I can go with it. Like, I don't know who's going to sign a solo artist who's doing, like, pop punk music without having a band behind her. And that was, that's still a big stigma. Like, it's still a really big stigma. The only, like, female artist that I can think of that is, um, like, really, really doing it with, with rock on her own is Diamante. And she's fucking incredible. She is literally just a powerhouse. And when I started to think about that in like terms of, you know, like in context with, with bands, I, I couldn't think of anybody else besides Diamante. And I was like, why is there not more of this? Like, and you know, I, I kind of realized that there's not really a market for it. And that made me feel just so shitty because I said to myself, well, why not? Like, why don't people want to see this? I know there are people who do, but there's not a big enough market for it. And that is so disappointing because there's so many solo female artists who want to do rock music who just don't because, you know, they don't get attention. They don't get time. They don't get love. And it's defeating at a point. And that's how I felt. And it it sucks to look back and think like, okay, I had to be in a band to succeed. And that didn't work either. So it brought me back to square one. And I was like, fuck, man, like what what can I do to like make this my career and make this my life? And, you know, I think that was also part of the problem was me asking that question because back then I was asking, well, what do I have to do to succeed? What do I have to do to to get signed? What do I have to do to make this my career? Instead of just like making whatever the hell I wanted because I wanted to. And if it worked, then it worked. And if it, you know, if people liked it, then people liked it. But most important was my happiness. I never put that first. It was always, well, what do I need to do to get people to pay attention to me? And I think a lot of that really stemmed from, from like, lack of attention at home during my childhood, which is getting really deep. But, you know, when anyone who's gone through, um, like, a divorce, like, you know, watch their parents get divorced, I think a lot of people would say that, you know, their parents were so enamored in, in their own problems that it was hard to get out of that bubble and focus on anything outside of their own problems. And that's definitely what happened with my parents was they were, you know, fighting a lot and it really impacted every other area of their life. So I felt alone a lot of the time and I loved to perform to try to get their attention. I loved to dance and sing to try to get their attention and get them away from the fighting, make the environment healthier and happier. And I didn't really, 
you know, I wasn't able to succeed because my parents were not in love and they got divorced. And now obviously I see as an adult that that was the right choice. But, you know, I know a lot of people experience that and it's hard to get out of that bubble. Um, So I think that carried over into my adulthood a lot. And I was asking the wrong questions. Um, Do I think I should have been doing pop music back then? No. Um, I was in a... I was super into pop punk back then. Still, still like pop punk a lot, but like I'm not, you know, that's not my top genre that I listen to now as an adult. I think a lot of the music that I was listening to back then tied into my mood and where I was at mentally. Um, you know, teenager, super angsty. All right, let me listen to super angsty pop punk. You know, it kind of just matched up with that. But um, I thought the right thing to do to succeed was to be a pop punk solo artist, be something different, be something fresh. And then I realized, okay, well not a lot of people want to see this couldn't really figure out why it just it's really unfortunate in the music industry how there's a market for certain types of artists and there's not a market for other types of artists and it's based on what's called demand what the public wants to see and I I obsessed over that instead of just like doing whatever the hell I wanted now prevail was something that I really wanted to do I would not change that even for a second because that record was totally like making that record was such a it was an immersive experience for me and I I really put every ounce of my soul into it I wouldn't change that for even a second of it but like I wish it's hard to, to explain like I wish that I wouldn't have felt like I had to do something just to succeed I wish that I would have just taken whatever was like the natural path Um, I felt like I was swayed by a lot of people and I don't regret anything. I don't regret like any musical anything that I've ever done because it all led me to a certain point and every experience had their own learning process and curve and you know that I think just was super important for my like individual growth outside of being an artist but would I've liked to do pop music a while ago? Yeah yeah for sure like would I've loved to be a pop artist when I was younger and like you know been able to perform and and just you know, have those tools in front of me. Yeah, of course. But I don't think it was possible back then. I think the the connections that I had led to here and led to me doing, you know, that type of music at that time. And everything happened the way that it needed to. But besides that, like, you know, like I said, with the Prevail record, that identified who I was at that time, as did, you know, the Vista's first record versus that identified exactly who I was at that time. Same with Long Live or, you know, Electric Souls or Eat or, you know, Witch Hunt, Born for Blood, like whatever, those records, everything identified exactly who I was and what was going on at that time. So it's just, it's so funny to think about because like, you know, if I ask myself, well, why didn't you do pop music before? Like if pop music is your life and you're as obsessed with it as you say you are, like, why didn't you do it before? Well, I think that everything that I've done was meant to happen at the time that it was supposed to happen and everything that I've written or like been a part of writing or released encapsulated me in that particular moment I think that's important for growth because all of it led to me gaining more knowledge in the music industry and music in general you know gaining experience as a songwriter and putting me in a spot now where like I can really just say all right I'm not doing this to get signed. I'm not doing it for any other reason than because it's it's what I really, really love and like something that I've just always wanted to do and never had the right tools or opportunity or time to do it. Um, 
So that's like the long answer to that question. I mean, my whole history with pop music is, I could probably talk about that for like two hours <laughs> um, because pop music over over time has evolved into just being something so life-saving for me. Um, but I'm grateful now that I get the opportunity to write music and record music that fully encapsulates who I am now at 27, you know, just like Prevail did when I was, when I was 21. And I did this song um, a couple weeks ago. I don't want to say what it's called, but it was something that like I've always wanted to write. And I wrote it. I was supposed to go into the studio the next day. This was like the night before. And I had a song finished that we were going to go in. We had already started. We were just going to go in and finish it. And I heard this melody in my head and I started singing and I wrote this entire song a cappella at like midnight, a couple hours before I was supposed to go to the studio. And I said the next day, hey, can we can we try this instead? Like this one that I wrote last night, I've had this idea forever and it, it just like randomly came to fruition last night. And we did it in like six hours, two sessions, just like quick sessions. And it ended up being one of my favorite things that I've ever been involved in, ever. And just to have that feeling of like, damn, this is something that I've always wanted to do. And now I'm here, like no matter what got me here, like I'm here doing it. It was so gratifying and just so excitable to see that come to life the way that it did. And I think that's probably a perfect place to end because everything leads to exactly where you're supposed to. I think that's like the overarching purpose of all of this, you know, everything is going to lead you to exactly where you're supposed to be. And that's where I am now with Revif. And I've only released Sahara so far, but I'm working on new stuff now and can't really like talk much more about it. But Sahara is out on everything. And I would love if you took a listen. Working on a bunch of songs. Did one the other day that is like so fucking weird and cool. And I was like, shit, this is so weird. I love it. I love being able to just be weird and like embrace the weird and not not worry about anything else outside of that. That makes me so content as a creator you know so i hope you guys are doing well stay safe and i will talk to you guys soon bye guys